What's up, Warriors, and welcome to Warrior Life Podcast number 380. This is Buck Green sitting in for Jeff Anderson, and this week, the number of this podcast, 380, inspired in me some memories that I want to go over with you. Specifically, let's talk about five things that my father got wrong when he was teaching me all about all things tactical and all things EDC. Tactical firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. Welcome to the show that helps you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is the Warrior Life Podcast. All right, we're back. This is Buck Green sitting in for Jeff Anderson this week. Uh, Like I was saying, when I saw that this was going to be podcast 380, 380, it triggered a memory in me. Uh, A couple of months back, my father passed away, and I have since done a podcast about some old-school survivalist lessons that I learned from him. Uh, And I want to talk to you about five different things this week, specifically things that I learned from my father that turned out to be wrong. And there's nothing wrong with that. I I think uh, you learn best when you make some mistakes. And it's just funny to me some of the things that my father believed or believed in that I've since come to learn were simply not correct. Uh, And that learning process has gone a long way for me. And and there are certain things that I can't think about in the tactical world, in the world of everyday carry accessories that don't remind me of him. You know, every time I see them, I think about him, especially now in, in light of, you know, his passing away. You don't realize how much you've learned from someone often until you contemplate them being gone and everything that you you took from from experiencing their existence here on planet Earth at the risk of getting a little too existential. So I want to talk about that this week. Uh, Before I do, though, there is no need to take notes. Don't worry about that. Uh, We now offer the cheat sheets for the Warrior Life podcast in the Loot Locker section of the Warrior Life Academy. There's a link in this podcast, or depending on where you're looking at this, if you're looking in your podcast app, there's a link at the bottom of the description. If you're listening to this on the Warrior Life blog uh, website, you can find the link at the bottom of the blog post. That will take you over to sign up for a free Spartan membership. It doesn't cost a thing. It will never cost you a thing uh, to be a Spartan member of the Warrior Life Academy. You get access to all kinds of great stuff like the Loot Locker and discounts and deals, which are different. Uh, uh, you know, Sometimes it's a discount off of the cost of something. Sometimes it's a deal you wouldn't know about otherwise. Uh, just all kinds of things that you get free with a, a Warrior Life Spartan membership, including all kinds of free reports. and and other things that uh, it's kind of a staggering amount of information that's in there. But in the Loot Locker, you will find a section called Cheat Sheets where we have linked all the cheat sheets for this podcast and we'll be filling in even more of the old back catalog of podcast cheat sheets. Here's a little secret for those of you who like to save time. You do not have to listen to a podcast in order to get information off the cheat sheet. The cheat sheets are set up to be sort of self-contained notes to give you the least you need to know about what was in the podcast. So if you're like me and you like podcasts, and I spend a lot of time on the road, so I fill my travel time listening to podcasts, um, I, I always listen. But if you're the sort of person who wants to read and and glean information and even store that information on your computing machine in PDF form, uh, the cheat sheets are great for that, and there's just a lot of information in there. Um, All of the different topics we've tackled on the podcast, various interviews we've done, just great stuff. Um, You know, plus a few expert podcasts by your fill-in host, Buck Green, if I do say so myself. 
All right, with that out of the way, let me talk about five things about everyday carry, about EDC, that my dad got wrong. And the first one is what inspired me to do this podcast, uh, 380, the number 380. <laughs> my father, as it turned out, was a huge fan of 380 auto in a handgun. And I know a lot of you are, and if you carry a 380, I'm not telling you not to. I'm not disparaging your carry choice. My father carried a Beretta Model 84 for many years, and there's a funny story associated there. When he first contemplated buying a, an automatic handgun, he was biased against the Beretta for no other reason than that my father was a huge fan of James Bond. And there's a scene in one of the movies, and I think it may be in one of Ian Fleming's books too, but I'm not sure because often there's a big difference between the two. There's a scene in one of the very early movies with Sean Connery where his handlers are sort of you know, giving him grief about carrying a Beretta, claiming that it jammed on him. And this was when Bond started carrying the Walther PPK, which is depending on what chambering you get it in can be even less effective than 380. I believe um, it's, you can get it in, uh, is there a 32 Walther? I don't remember. I just remember thinking that there was a caliber for the Walther that was common that was even less effective than the 380. The thing about 380, 9mm short, is it's simply not that powerful. I, I think you'd be better off with something in the same size envelope with a 38 Special or even, you know, any number of mini automatics that fire a full-size cartridge, like 9mm or 45, yes, they kick quite a lot, but I, I don't know if you've handled a 380 recently. They, the, they stink because there is this weird equation that happens when you've got a small gun and a small cartridge. I've held 380s that felt like they were recoiling more than some full-size 9mm just because of the weight of the gun versus the power of the cartridge. I think the gun that I owned that had the most of that perceived recoil was probably uh, the Makarov. I had a I had a Makarov in, in 380 that it just wanted to bite me every time it went off. I, it, I just, I felt it. I felt it sting the palm of my hand. And you, you'd think it wouldn't because those steel frame macros were quite heavy. But, you know, so, sometimes there's this weird factor that you just can't account for until you experience it. Um, I think that my father was wrong about the 380 auto being enough. I think you're better off with a different choice, especially now when you have so many modern mini handgun choices. If you're into the 380, if, if that's what you want to carry, hey, I'm not here to criticize you. One of my other, uh, one of my father's other first guns was a Colt Mustang 380, uh, which I remember was. I'm dating myself here. It was the backup gun carried on the ankle of Sonny Crockett in Miami Vice. <laughs> And I wanted one for that reason, because I was all about Miami Vice back in the day. We thought we were so cool in junior high watching that show. But if you carry a 380, that's fine. And as long as you're, you're practicing with it and you're comfortable with it and it's reliable, okay, I'm not here to disparage your carry choice. I just think that my father was wrong in choosing to use the 380 as his go-to carry gun almost all the time. The Beretta 84 is a particularly large pistol compared to the size of the 380 cartridge, uh, kind of like the, the Bursa Thunder, which is another popular gun. They're, they're almost full-size guns, almost, and yet they fire 380, and I think you'd be better off with just a compact 9mm if you're going to go that route. Uh, again, my opinion only. Number two of the things that my father was wrong about when it comes to EDC, this is sort of a function of the time. My father loved the mini mag light. We're talking about the incandescent version. And I mentioned this uh, in the podcast that I did about old school survivalist lessons. He certainly believed in carrying a flashlight and in the value of daily carrying a flashlight, and that's good. 
But the mini mag light, especially the incandescent mini mag light, is a feeble little flashlight. I think the lumens it puts out are actually single digits. Don't hold me to that. If it's double, it's you know low double digits, like 14, 17, something like that. But I think it's lower than that. Um, they're just not that bright. Uh, you can do better, and you, frankly, you could have done better back then after a while. There was a time when the mini mag light was the best you were going to do. Um, but today, and this will be important later, I'm going to come back to this. Today, not only are there better, many better choices in LED flashlights, you can actually get a lighter that has a better flashlight in it than a mini mag light flashlight. <laughs> At least the incandescent version of the mini mag light flashlight. So uh, I'll come back to that, but make a mental bookmark there. That, that's something that's important. Um, number three, and this is a big one that I think about every time that I clean guns. And that is, my father was a was a huge proponent of something called slide grease. Uh, my father taught me how to fire a handgun. As a matter of fact, that Colt Mustang 380 was the first handgun I ever fired in my life. Um, and he taught me how to break them down, how to clean them, and we cleaned the guns after every time we went to the shooting range without fail. Which is, these are all good habits. But my father always used slide grease on the slides of his his auto pistols. He, he you know, this is a little tube of black grease, and he would smear that goo onto the slide rails. And I didn't know any better back then. I've since learned that, no, don't do that. Do not use grease on the slides of your gun. Um, kind of like shock buffers, which is another product that nobody needs and nobody should install, slide grease is a solution in search of a problem. You do not need it. All you need to do is oil your gun and lightly oil it at that. You don't even want to over-oil it, much less gunk it up with slide grease, which can make everything worse by attracting dirt and, and, and debris and other gunk. You just, you just don't want it in there. Lightly oil your gun, use the least amount of oil possible while still lubricating the gun, and leave it alone. I've since learned that that's the correct approach to firearms maintenance. But man, I remember, I remember that tube of slide grease that was in his his gun maintenance kit that we took to the range whenever we went to the range. I have a lot of fond memories of going to the range because it was special to be able to go out and shoot. Uh, and I think he enjoyed being able to share that with his oldest son. But man, do not do not grease your handgun. It's not a good idea. Okay, number four. This is something that uh, I also learned from experience and, and from my father. Uh, he was big into Zippo lighters, and for years he had a Zippo lighter on his desk. I remember it was a scrimshaw pattern lighter, and I actually have since come into possession of that very lighter. It was something we found uh, after he passed away, and I'm, I'm really grateful to have that in my possession. But the fact is, a Zippo lighter is terrible for survival, and you've probably heard this before. You may have heard me tell you this before, for one reason, and that is that the fluid evaporates whether you use the lighter or not, and it evaporates quickly. You can try to forestall that if you have a Zippo that you want to hold on to for a while. Um, I wouldn't say for long-term storage because it won't matter, but you can wrap electrical tape around the, the top of the lighter to try and close that seam a little bit. Um, there are some styles of lighter that use naphtha lighter fuel that, you know, have kind of a, almost like the stopper on a, one of those candle snuffers, you know, they, they, they form more of a seal around the top of the wick in the lighter. Um, that doesn't help a lot. It does help a little. The fluid will evaporate and will leak out. That's simply how it works. You can buy these 
sort of eternally lighting matches, which are really just wicks with a with a flint in the middle of the wick uh, in the shape of a metal match that comes in a little reservoir that you screw down and there's an o-ring seal and those things are meant to seal to keep the fluid from evaporating they last a while not forever but they do last a while but what you're doing is you're fighting physics you're fighting against the evaporation of that fuel you the clock is ticking the moment you fill any kind of a lighter that runs on that sort of fuel in my opinion, you are much better off with a modern alternative. The one that I carry is the Tough Tesla Lighter by Survival Frog. I will include a link in the resources uh, for this podcast. The fact is, it is a superb lighter. It's an electric lighter. It's rechargeable. So all I have to do is, is keep it charged periodically, and I'm good to go. If you were carrying this lighter in the field, you would have a means of recharging it if you also had a solar charger, which you should. Um, so it is completely sustainable even over the long term, to keep charging it and recharging it while it's giving you windproof electric arc flame potential when you use it. And the best part is this particular lighter has a flashlight built into the bottom. Um, there are copies of this lighter on the market. I've noticed them in, in multiple colors from various brands, probably all coming out of the same set of factories overseas. There's nothing wrong with those, but in my opinion, you're much better off going with the brand the brand name Survival Frog uh, Tough Tesla Lighter, I think it's just a higher quality overall. So that is the lighter that I've been carrying for the longest time. Uh, and every time I use it, I think about my father's affection for Zippo lighters, and I think about the Zippo that I have. And my brain goes through this whole loop where, oh, Zippos are cool, but the fluid will evaporate. What do I do? You carry the rechargeable lighter instead. So uh, if that means anything to you, uh, just take away from that that a modern flashlight equipped rechargeable lighter is a much better choice especially for survival than for um you know than a, than a zippo compared to a zippo although man i i would be lying if i told you i didn't also carry a zippo um i, I love them it's more of a sentimental attachment than it is any kind of utility they're just cool so no no disparagement of zippos you are talking to a man who has a collection of zippo lighters that is bigger than the four wall mounted display cases that he has on his wall, so I'm certainly not disparaging Zippo lighters. All right, uh, number five, this is something my father got wrong about EDC, only because he kept using his EDC firearms to make nature pay. And you're thinking, what? That doesn't make any sense, Buck. Well, I'm going to explain. My father, at some point, developed this sort of Elmer Fudd complex where he was convinced that nature was laughing at him and he was going to make it stop. So... This was a man who always carried a gun with him, whether it was uh, hit the Beretta Model 84 or sometimes it was a 22 revolver that he used for specifically for pest removal. I'll get to that. Um, we were once uh, we once had a, a, a groundhog that was eating the garden. My father always had a very big garden. He was big into gardening. Uh, it was more of a more of a farm, really, more of a tiny farm in the middle of a suburban lawn. Um, but there was a groundhog that was eating the 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 vegetables. So. He got a humane trap because, mind you, we're in town. We're not in the country. We're not someplace you can be discharging firearms. He got a humane trap, and he caught the groundhog. And then he drove the groundhog outside of town to outside the town limits to where the shooting range was that we went to. And he took out his twenty-two caliber revolver. He had one of those North American Arms mini revolvers. And he shot the groundhog in the head and buried it. And he came back and uh, told me what he had done. And I looked at him. I'm like, you did what? You you took him for a ride into the country and put a twenty-two in his brain? Dad, that's not pest removal. That's like that's like a mafia execution. 
And my sister, who was quite young at the time, asked him, what'd you do with the cute fuzzy groundhog? And he looked at her, and I kid you not, he said, I set him free. And I'm looking at him like, set him free? On an existential level, maybe. He was once, my father was once sitting at the dinner table. I was there for this. I remember this. We were eating dinner. He looked out the window, saw a rabbit, another thing preying on his garden, got up, grabbed his twenty-two handgun. He either had it on him or had it nearby, walked outside and shot the rabbit in our backyard. Again, we're in town. You can't just be firing handguns. He got away with it because you can basically get away with shooting once, and as long as nobody directly sees you, they won't notice it. But there was also a time, I think it was that same summer, where I remember being in my room. We we had, uh, my sister and I had rooms on the top floor of the house uh, that was once an attic uh, that had been converted into bedrooms. So she was on one side and I was on the other. And we each had a sloping ceiling into which were built a couple of skylights. And I had the windows open, and so, you know, it was a pleasant summer evening, cool breeze coming in through the from the night air. And all of a sudden, I hear, crack! And I thought, oh, man, it, it was after July 4th, and I remember thinking, July 4th ended a few days ago. It is too late for fireworks. Well, that was, that was not fireworks. That was my father, who was on top of a two-story shed we built in our backyard. Um, this was how my father operated. He looked up the square footage, the sort of the footprint he was allowed to build without a building permit when it came to putting up a shed in the backyard for storing things. And then he went up and he built two stories worth of shed to hold everything he wanted. And I remember he built the ladder that took you from the bottom floor to the top floor. And I jokingly said to him, Dad, is this ladder OSHA rated? And with the vehemence of a man who once was the assistant plant manager of a factory looked at me and said, fortunately, OSHA doesn't run my life anymore. And I was like, ooh, sensitive point. Okay, I'll, I'll leave that one go. Um, but anyway, he, he spent the night on top of that shed waiting for the rabbit to come out at night to get into the garden so he could shoot it with a twenty two Magnum bolt-action uh, rifle. Like, like JFK on top of the book depository, he was just up there waiting for his prey to show its head. So... And this was, there were other incidents of this type. My father was legendary for this. There are rumors that he was once having a conversation with my brother-in-law, saw a rodent and, you know, pulled out his handgun and went shooting from inside a barn on his property. This was when he lived somewhere else. So the lesson here beyond the funny stories, you know, telling my sister that he set the groundhog free, the lesson here is that uh, you really can't afford to be as casual with firearms, especially when they are your everyday carry firearms, as my father was. Because he was. I, uh, You know, the, the man was not perfect, and I'm not, uh, I'm not disparaging him, but he was way too casual with firearms. So much so that one time, before I was old enough to have a hunting license of my own, he asked me to come hunting with him, and I'm like, but, but I, I don't have a license, and I, I don't have a gun, and I can't help. He looked at me and he said, well, that's okay. You can drive the deer to me. (laughs) And I remember thinking half jokingly, this is how you're going to do it, isn't it? I'm not working out and you've decided you've had enough. So you're going to take me out, quote unquote, hunting. And then you're going to come home and my mom's going to go, where's our son? And you're going to say, I set him free. (laughs) And that's all I could think. I did survive. um, And he actually did. We did some handgun hunting together. And uh, he did get a couple of deer over the years. He wasn't much of a hunter, but but he did manage to to get a couple. And I have 
uh, on the wall downstairs in my shop, I have a, a plaque that on which he commemorated getting his first deer back in the 90s. Uh, so it's kind of neat to, to have that. And I have a picture up in the shop of him, I think with that very same deer, that very first one. He had a picture taken of him with his handgun and the bandolier across his chest. And it was, it was a fairly impressive buck. So... All right, those are the five EDC things my father got wrong. He was a big devotee of the 380 Auto. I'm of the opinion that there are better choices, although I'm aware you might disagree. Uh, he was a big uh, uh, proponent of the Mini Maglite as a daily carry flashlight. We all know there are better choices for that, even, like I said, that tough Tesla lighter that has this, the LED flashlight built right in. He he was an advocate of using slide grease when maintaining guns, which is a big mistake. Um, he was fond of, of Zippo lighters for survival, but as we know, they simply do not last long enough before the before the fluid evaporates, and you're much better off with that uh, that Tesla lighter that I mentioned, or any really any like a Bic disposable anything is better. I mean, Zippos are great and they make a great flame, but man, they're never going to light when you need them to light if it's been any amount of time since you filled them. And finally, five, uh, my father was awfully casual with firearms, which is something that, uh, as any of us are, if you're daily carrying a firearm, you simply cannot afford to be. This is, this is not the 70s or the 80s. It's not even the 90s anymore. You've, you've got to be way more careful with guns uh, just as a, as a matter of habit. And I think, I think we all know that. All right, uh, that's about about blah, 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 blah. that's about going to do it for the podcast this week. I can talk really. Uh, I have been Buck Green in for Jeff Anderson. Until next time, prepare, train, and survive. You've been listening to the Warrior Life Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us spread the mission of self-reliance and self-protection when you rate us. And leave us a comment wherever you enjoy these podcasts. And don't forget to check out our posts and videos on our social media channels. You'll see a full directory when you visit our website at www.warriorlife.com. We'll see you next time. This has been the Warrior Life Podcast. Prepare. Train. Survive.